The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB. Tonight is Sunday, November 27th. Mike Trez on hand with you for the next hour, along with Mike Gadone, 516-623-1240 is the phone number to get on board with us tonight. We'll be taking your phone calls in the second half of the show. Got a great show for you again tonight. Islanders, Jets, Giants, we'll get to all of it. And we've got a special guest to start the show before we bring her on. Let me say hi to my co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, great to be back as always. It's been a while, but we, uh, got lots to talk about, as you said, and a special guest to bring on right away. Um, you know, uh, an author, uh, a mom, marathon runner. Can't wait to talk to her. Let's bring her on right now. Her name is Julie Weiss. She is also known as the Marathon Goddess. How are you tonight, Julie? Hi. Good. Good evening. Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm great, Mike Treza and Mike Gadone. So thanks for being our guest. Your story starts, you're a young mom. You are, according to your own account, a little bit overweight, uh, depressed, on medication. Who was it, Julie, that encouraged you uh, to start running to the point where uh, you would actually you know, become serious and make this a big part of your life? Well, it wasn't always my dad, but when I started running, my father really became very, very proud of me, and uh, we started talking about, you know, the Boston Marathon, and I, you know, once I started running, and, and he, um, you know, he thought, we both decided, why don't I try to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and in addition to just running for health reasons, um, you know, it just became uh, really, really nice to have him there as my number one fan. So it was my dad, Maurice Weiss, and he was uh, from New York as well. And around that time was the time, mm-hmm. uh, around the time you qualified for the Boston Marathon, if I have the story correct, was around the time your dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer? Yes, sadly, he was diagnosed uh, in 2010 in October. He passed away just 35 days after his diagnosis, and that's the thing about pancreatic cancer. Unfortunately, it's really hard to detect. So, um, sadly, uh, just 10 days after he passed away, I did finally qualify for the Boston Marathon on my 19th attempt, uh, and I knew we'd done it together. He was with me as I, you know, I was running that race. So um, I still feel him with me when I when I run today. I think about him all the time. Julie, uh, again, this is Mike Wadone. Nice to be, have you with us tonight, and, and uh, you know, congratulations on all your success. And um, when you brought up pancreatic cancer, I recently lost uh, a, a cousin to it. I, I know it's just absolutely devastating. Um, I'm curious, when, when that happened and, and you lost your dad so quickly, um, was it something that kind of took you out of running temporarily or was it even more motivation right away to say, I'm going to keep going with this? Well, that's, that's a really good question. Thank you. And I'm so sorry about your, oh, your friend. Uh, this you. is, you know, such a devastating disease. Um, you know, when he, when he was diagnosed, he told me I had another race coming up and he said, don't, 
stop training. Just keep running. Keep doing everything the same. I don't want you to change anything on account of me. So I said, okay, but you're going to beat this thing, and I'm going to qualify. But, you know, it's just the, um, the nature of this disease, unfortunately. But he, he, he really, I didn't stop. He, he didn't want me to stop. So, so I kept going, and after I... I, I qualified and ran that Boston Marathon. Um, I knew I had to do something more to help make a difference so that other people wouldn't have to suffer like my dad did and so many others. And where did the idea come from, Julie, for you to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks? And, and you know, I mean, what even made you think you could do that? It's such a huge undertaking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw a couple people back on Facebook at the time that had done it, like, I saw one person in particular, Jane Rashenberg, I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe that's something that I could do because I knew my body recovered fairly quickly. I have good genetics or whatever for running, but I could run a marathon and, you know, within the next few days feel fine again and start looking for another one. So I, I knew that um, this was something I was meant to do. So I, I thought, I don't know how the heck I'm going to do this. I have to work full time. And but I'm going to find a way, and so off I went. Um, you know, leaving my office on a Friday and traveling to another uh, city, state, sometimes even country, and then having to get back to work on Monday at nine o'clock. And it was um, sometimes you know the travel was even more <laughs> was harder than the actual <laughs> running the race sometimes. Just getting to that start line. You didn't have to have your boss wake you up under the desk like the George Costanza routine, right? <laughs> um, there was a lot of coffee involved. Let me say that. But, but, you know, these people that I was running for and dedicating um, these marathons to, you know, I would, I would meet people who were affected by pancreatic cancer and I'd dedicate my races to them. So they kept me going. And uh, making a difference for them and, you know, shining a light on the fact that, you know, this disease needs more awareness and we need to raise more funds and we need to get a higher survival rate. You know, when I started running, it was a 5% survival rate. Um, now it's up to 11%, which is better, but we still need to do more awareness and raising more money. Uh, to date, I've almost raised nearly a million dollars through my website, MarathonGoddess.com. And it's all going to the Hirschberg Foundation now for pancreatic cancer research. So we're getting there. But I'm not stopping until we get this uh, survival rate higher. Well, as Mike had mentioned before, that an amazing undertaking just to, to do 52 marathons at, and then to have that goal of a million dollars is is truly amazing. And, and it sounds just like you will keep going no matter what the cost, no matter what the time is. Um, my my main question that kind of came to mind when I was doing research and had heard that we were lucky enough to have you on tonight is you mentioned that your your body bounced back very quickly and uh, my wife has run a couple of marathons my niece just completed the, her first New York City marathon but oh congratulations thank you Great. but uh, did you find did you have any kind of nagging injuries or anything that was really at at any point you were worried that was going to prevent you from from achieving that goal of the fifty two. You know, I was worried. About, you know, I'd heard about people getting stress fractures. I thought maybe that was something that might take me out. But, um, you know, my husband, who is um, also my coach, you know, he, he suggested that I take these marathons about an hour slower than what I could, you know, what I was capable of running. So I really had to slow my times down and make this all about finishing. It wasn't about 
the time, okay. although, you know, I, I still think about that sometimes. But miraculously, I didn't get injured. I had, like, no injuries, a few nagging pains, but nothing nothing that stopped me. I, I was, like, on fire. It was a miracle that's, that I that's didn't amazing. get injured. And also kept my job. <laughs> that's even more amazing. <laughs> like, absolutely. Now, if I have this right, Julie, around 2016 or so, you set a new goal to run 100 marathons overall. Where are you against that goal right now? <laughs> oh, that's right. Actually, I did achieve that goal in 2016 at the L.A. Marathon. And, um, and now I will be running my, let's see, Possibly 115th marathon in two weeks at the Honolulu Marathon if my Achilles decides to behave. Wow. That's the thing about getting older. You have to, <laughs> you know, I'm still going, but I'm not, um, you know, it's been 10 years since those 52 marathons in 52 weeks. So, and I'm a grandmother now, oh, and I have my. two little granddaughters that are both faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be, um, they're, they're already great runners. They're um, so, so amazing. But, you know, I'm still running. I just have to be more careful <laughs> because our bodies are the only place that we have to live. So we have to take care of our bodies. I was actually running, going to run 11 race, eleven marathons in 11 months to shine a light on the fact that that survival rate is just 11%. And then I did about three of them, and my body was like, okay, <laughs> you can just do 11 races <laughs> 11 months. That's enough because... Yeah, we, we really need to take care of ourselves. Uh, Honolulu, no what a for place. Anyone else. <laughs> right? If so. I agree to work for you, can I come with you to Honolulu? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. It's a beautiful place to run, a little hot. But, um, you know, as my friend Bart Yasso says, no matter how your marathon goes in Hawaii, when you finish, you're in Hawaii. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> I want to ask you about the book, Julie. Um, whose idea was it the book? The book is called Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess. It is by you, Ollie Nolan, and our buddy John Hance. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? How did it come about? Whose idea was it? Whose idea was it for John and Allie to work on it with you? Oh, thank you for asking about the book. Yes, it's called 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess. And... Um, Kevin Horton with uh, Tenderfire Productions helped us uh, publish that, and it is really good. I, I found John Hance through through an agent, and um, I am so glad I did. I am so glad that we waited to get this book out when we did because uh, it, it just tells it's a memoir about my life story and all of the things that I went through before I started running, and then what once I got to running, and even what happened afterwards. But you know, everyone who reads it tells me they are they love it, and it might even inspire you to go run a marathon. But no, it will inspire me. It will inspire some, but not me. Yeah, but it even has some you know some life tips for you know for mental well being, you know, health and wellness, just to get just to get you going. Because I know a lot of people are struggling out there, and you know, I want I want to help people. Uh, do whatever it is that they want to do in life. You know, it's just about, you know, getting off the couch to a 5K or, you know, walking around the block or just doing what you love, you know, and enjoying your life because, you know, my life was it, the miles and trials. You know, it's in the, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and roses, but, um, you know, I had to go through some things. And if I can help 
other people not have to go through, you know, these challenging times, or just help people through these challenging times and tell, you know, let you know that there is hope and there is happiness right around the corner. Um, so I offer some tips and I offer some, you know, some inspiration that might help you get through those hard times. Now, Julie, we don't want to give away anything from the book, but i got to ask you, if you were going to tell somebody uh, your best ideas for getting them off the couch, just getting them started, toward, if, you know, even, even if they're not running a mile these days, but they think, you know what, maybe someday I want to run a marathon, what, how would you tell them to start and, and, and keep going? It's a great, it's a great question because so many people just don't know where to begin. And I, I say, and I, I'm feeling this for my husband because it's so true. Whatever you do, it has to be fun. You have to find a way to make it fun. Like, don't go out and like run too fast. Just right. go out, take a little walk. Could be five minutes. Start small. Just one step, two steps. Just one foot. Let me say that again. <laughs> one step running of the earth, you know. Absolutely. One, yeah, one step at a time. Just just get up and do something small. Make a very small goal for yourself that you can achieve. And um, also in my in my TED talk I did uh, last just about last year, I talk about really um, embracing whatever it is you want to do. So if you want to, don't just say you're going to go for a run. Say, I am going to become a runner. Don't just say, I'm going to go for a walk. You are a walker or a swim. Or, you know what I mean? You're, sure. You are a swimmer. Really embrace whatever that is that you want to become and, and feel that. And it sort of changes your whole mindset. You know, it's a mindset shift that right. becomes a part of who you truly are. You know, my dad was the one who told me to jo go join a running group. And... uh and I did, and it changed my life because I wasn't just going for a run to lose weight or, you know, mm -hmm. get off the couch. I was going to, I was, a, I became a runner. Sure. You know, I found, I found these beautiful people that I was running with. So, you know, you can find a group or find a class or find something that's fun to do. And, um, you know, like a running group or a walking group. Walking is great exercise. Um, but you're not just walking. <laughs> Remember, you're a walker. You know, yes. people walk the marathon. They walk races, and they have a great time. So invite a friend along. I know I've given you a hundred things here to do. Well, but well it's all great. It's, it's positive affirmation and, and really just speaking yeah. into existence. But I want to say the number one thing is to have fun okay. with whatever you're doing. But keep it fun so, sure. so that you'll want to come back and do it again and again. <laughs> and, it comes, and it becomes a part of your life. Speaking of fun, Julie, I wanted to mention the children's book uh, as well with the holiday season coming up. We got this. What was the uh, oh, impetus yeah. for that? Well, I always wanted to uh, write a little children's book, especially for my, my granddaughters. And I, I, I thought I would, you know, write this to show, to show children how, you know, they can, um, it's all about giving back. Do what you love, and when you're doing something that you love, but also with the notion of giving back to the community. Like, as you know, a little kid, I always loved to run, but as I got older, I started running, you know, for myself, but for other. We're starting to lose you just a little bit, Julie. So I'm going to promo the children's book one more time. It's called We okay. Got This. Um, 
And I'm going to promo your your book that you and John uh, put together along with Allie Nolan. Thank it's you. called 52 Marathons in 52 Weeks, Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess. And we were so glad and so lucky to have the Marathon Goddess, Julie Weiss, with us tonight. We really want to thank you, Julie, for being our guest. Thank you so much. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, continue on and you too can achieve the impossible or just do what you love, enjoy and, and have fun. And, and thank you so much for having me on. And if you want to donate to help us cure pancreatic cancer, you can go to my website, marathongoddess.com. All donations are tax deductible and uh, we're getting there. We're going to cure this thing and I'm not going to stop until we have a cure. Well, it, if, if positive energy and enthusiasm has anything to do with it, you're certainly well on your way, and it's infectious, and, and we're right there with you, and, and we hope that, that you reach your goals, and, and we will continue to, to pray and hope that uh, pancreatic cancer is eradicated, and we'll do our part as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate your, your help, and um, have a wonderful holiday season. And um, Again, thank you for having me on the show. It was really fun to talk to you both. Thanks again, Absolutely. Julie. Thank Have a great Julie. time in Honolulu. Remember, we got this. We certainly <laughs> okay. do. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. Take care. Be well. Bye. All right, Mike. So amazing story there with Julie, right? Unbelievable. You know, and um, I've the seen determination oh, just it, comes right through the it's phone. Unbe- yeah, I, I, it, I, I have not spoken to too many people and you know we not even just take the radio part out of it that come across as enthusiastic and and just a thousand percent behind what they're doing is boy that that's one inspiring person yeah and i mean she says she's getting near that one million dollar goal or uh and i mean if anybody's going to get there she's going to get there so. absolutely and, uh, and writing two books in, in her spare time yeah <laughs> um so that's great uh we're going to talk a little hockey uh, in just a moment, as soon as we get John on the line. But while we have a second here, Mike, oh, there he is. He's, I he's... think that's John calling up. All right, all right. <laughs> well, I will say this: as we go and we look forward to to the many things we're going to talk about today, we got we have the Nets played today, Jets played today, the Knicks are currently playing. So it's not like we're, we're going to be grasping at straws here. But we got a lot of good things to talk. About. You know, Islanders winning, Nets have turned it around a little bit. The Jets had a big win today, so and, and I know John was there. So besides talking uh, hockey, we're going to talk a little football as well. So thank goodness, even with the, the Giants kind of coming back to earth here a little bit, we do have some some positive stories coming on. So where do you want to start? Well, that's a great great question. Let's you know what I, I would say this as a huge Islander fan, and probably the team that I have disliked the most. I'm supposed to say it's the Rangers, right? Every Islander fan will say it's the Rangers. It's really the Philadelphia Flyers. Because when I was growing up, the mid 70s, the Broad Street Bullies, they were winning cups. They were the one, you know, they would take the Islanders out. And last night, the Islanders just completely annihilated the Philadelphia Flyers in every single way. On the ice, in the fights, I mean, the, the fans were going wild. I was not there. I wish I was, but we had family there. Um, they said that the, the, you know, UBS was rocking like like never before. So, you know, with with 15 wins at this point in the season, Mike, this didn't come till January last year. Yeah. No, I mean, they did a great job, and they've been doing a great job. Uh... So we, we're going to, as we talk Islanders, this is, these are the things that kind of jump out at me. 
So you have Matt Barzal, who signed the, the big contract, and, and I'm sure when John comes on, we'll talk to him about this. He's only got two goals, but 23 assists. He, he's in the, he's towards the top of the NHL. Brock Nelson, 11 goals, 11 assists. They're scoring. They're getting great play from from the defense, and and goaltending. I mean, Ilya Sorokin. He's he's already. I mean, he's. I believe he's only four years or three and a half years into his Islander uh, tenure, and he's already in, in in the top seven in shutouts in in all time. I mean, it's it it's just crazy. So when you put together that kind of play with with the solid goaltending, and Varlamov as your as your quote unquote your backup, um, you know you're going to be in good shape. Yeah. So let's do a couple minutes on NBA while we're waiting for uh, all right for John, Mike. I mean, we really haven't spent a lot of time on either the Knicks or the Nets this year. Uh, the Knicks. I mean, listen. Okay. We acquired Jalen Brunson. Yes. Uh, listen, J- Jalen Brunson is the kind of guy as a fan you can really like. You know, he's intelligent. He plays the game the right way. He plays the game hard. And so, you know, there as a fan, you can appreciate that. Um, but you know what? Let's get back to that in just a couple minutes, and let's get John on now. Right, John! We got, we got John on the hotline. Hey, yes. There he is. How How's it going, John? What a day. That's all I can say. <laughs> Two words. Mike White. <laughs> have you Have you thawed out or dried out from that... From that ridiculous rainstorm that you had to sit through? Actually, I was covered. Oh. I was up in the I was up in the upper deck, covered near the top row. So, luckily for my sake, well, it was pretty good. Can't complain. Good for you. All right, so let's do a little Islanders first, John. Then we'll let you crow a little bit about the Jet game you were at today. Uh, Islanders beat Philly last night, five to two. Their uh, fourth win in a row, now fifteen and eight on the season. How are they doing it? They're playing very more more consistent than they had in the last couple of weeks. And one thing overall that they have done this year that we really haven't seen in a while is they're finishing games very strong. I have not seen the team play some pretty good third periods the way the Islanders have. Even in a tie 2-2 game last night, one that looked like could have been a little bit close against a weaker Flyers team, a team in rebuild. They struggled in the second period, but boy, oh boy, Lane Lambert's got these guys ready to go when it comes to that third period. Let's see. Let's even backtrack. How about the comeback in Toronto last Monday? They played a good full 60-minute game against Edmonton. I was in the building for that one. And then last night, three goals in the third period, a couple of power play goals. Zach Parise playing like he's in his prime again. All's good right now. Yeah, you jumped ahead of me just a little bit, John. I was going to bring up that propensity this season for being a third-period team. Where do you think that comes from? I think probably a little bit more. I think overall we've talked about this a number of times, but a little bit more focused on offense, a little bit more focused on taking care of the puck and playing a clean game, but also being aggressive. We're seeing them with Lane Lambert. They're playing more aggressively offensively. Looking at the stats before coming on here, Matt Barzell, only two goals, but 23 assists. Are you kidding me? That is insane. Well, and how about last night? Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, he looked like a young Mike Tyson out on the ice, throwing his oh, weight yeah. around. It, it, I, I was saying before you came on, nothing does my heart better than to watch the Islanders pummel the Flyers because back in the 70s when I was a young kid watching, you know, the Broad Street Bullies, watching the Islanders get the best of them, you know, it, in, in a little bit of fisticuffs was, was even better. It seemed to fire up the team even more. And how about on a night where they, they celebrate 80s night at UBS Arena? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the other thing, John, I was going to ask, it seems as I look at the stats each each game and, and you know, in games, 
the the defense has really brought the scoring even more than than I've ever seen before. Is that is that kind of a, a byproduct of the Lane Lambert system of, of pushing up a little bit more and, and getting the defense involved? I would think so. A little bit more aggressiveness, asking them to do a little bit more. They weren't asked to do it. Barry Trotz is more defensive minded coach, so you weren't asked to do those kinds of things. And the opportunity, and I think what the mindset is right now, and maybe not even just Lane Lambert, but bringing in John McClain. Mm-hmm. An assistant coach, different view of the power play, telling your defenseman to shoot the puck. Taking those opportunities when you can. When's the, Adam Pellick scoring again last night? He was never really a goal scorer until now. So I guess if you see opportunities, take advantage of it, throw your body at the net, and you never know what might happen. And what we certainly don't want to lose in the shuffle here is the play of Ilya Sorokin. I mean, you're talking 2.19 goals against, uh, he, his, you know, shutouts again. He's, he's in the, the top, you know, he's near the top of the leaderboard in Islanders career shutouts. And he's only, how long has he been with the team now? A couple of years? Three years. It's unbelievable. Three years. I mean, this is his third. The, the guy's dynamite. And when you have Varlamov, you know, as your quote unquote backup, as I was saying before, you know, he, that's somebody who can spell. When you have that kind of goaltending to go along with, with what's going on, if you keep that hot, that you can ride that the entire season. Oh, 100%. You want to keep this going the way it is. Sorokin's the number one goalie, and Volomov's there to do his job. And ultimately, like we said, yes, he's making a lot of money for a backup goalie. Usually you don't pay your backups that kind of money, but you can right now with the way the situation is, and it's flourishing. I mean, you look at the other team across town, yeah. I think they would they would pay right now to have a Simeon Varlamov back in the I think even though he didn't play well times, he's talking to Rangers, they do miss um, Gregoriev. And it's for moments like this. I mean, there will be a time that's going to happen to the Islanders, but could be, but I still think they value, and this is Lou Amarello, all the way back to New Jersey, that you value the goaltending position, you value the backup ball, and you see what price it's paying when you have a guy when you could give your number one a night off what you're getting from your number two, and you're going to get a consistent 60-minute game out of Ball Alamoff, and I think you got to keep that going. And even past this year when his contract expires, I don't think this relationship's going to end. What might just end is him making $5 million. Right. I want to ask you about a couple of the new defensemen, Sebastian Ajo and also uh, Romanoff, John, and how they're uh, settling into their roles with the Islanders' day this season. I think Romanoff right now wants to catch a break and score a goal. It's like he's coming close but can't find the net. But, no, he's been very good. He's what we expected, defensive defenseman. Um, you see him moving the puck well at times, not really making too many mistakes, a couple of penalties here and there. You could take those. I haven't been so sold on the officiating in some recent games. I feel like there's been some calls going against them that shouldn't have, but maybe he's taken a couple more penalties than he should. But overall, no complaints. I think everything what you got. And then I think Sebastian Ajo just finally getting a consistent chance every night. So, and that they finally have a spot for him. Gotcha. John, you, you mentioned the Devils before, and, and they're on some kind of hot streak and, and um, you know, lead the division and, and have turned themselves into a real contender. Um, do you see them being able to kind of hold this uh, streak you know, throughout the season? Or are they, you feel they're going to stay at the top, or maybe the Islanders or even somebody else is going to catch them? I think they could stay. Will they stay number one in the division? I'm not 100% sure, but they're a good team. They could score. Um, they're very fast. Um, I remember when the Islanders played them a few weeks ago. I was rushing, how did you lose to the Devils team? <laughs> no, we're seeing why. This, yes. this is legitimate. This is there. And they improved 
on the area, and that was such a weakness, a couple areas, such a weakness for him. They got a couple of veterans in there. They brought Paladin from Tampa Bay, gave him a contract, because they've had, they have some cap room to wiggle to bring in a veteran forward like that. Mm-hmm. Mixing in with Hughes and Nico Hishier and some of those other guys, they had, they brought Dougie Hamilton in last year for the defense, mixing in with some of those young guys. But the other thing, the weakness that for them, they really haven't taken the backup goaltending position seriously um, in the last couple of years, probably really since Corey Schneider was there, because right. they wanted to see Mackenzie Blackwood, see if he could become the number one, which I still think he has the potential, but the problem is he cannot stay healthy. So you have to be very careful with who you put behind him. They tried, Godot might remember this, they tried Corey Crawford. Oh, yeah. He had to abruptly retire. Then it's just been a revolving doors. This offseason, they went out and got Vanacek from uh, Washington because they wanted to move on at that position. I think that's been the best thing that they did because it takes a lot of pressure off both goaltenders. They don't have to play like number ones. There were times Vanacek was asked to be a number one in Washington. Those guys, he's not really right there to be a number one yet. And then maybe this will also keep Blackwood healthy for a full season. So everything is working right now. We'll stay consistent. Lindy Ruff's a great coach. He's had a great career in the NHL. So he's the right guy to lead this young group. It's just a matter of keeping it consistent because, you know, the schedule is going to get harder. Um, you would think there are other teams who are maybe struggling a little bit right now that will pick things up, Tampa Bay, uh, Florida. So you want to be able to keep up with those teams if you want to at least, maybe not a top three in the Metro, but if they want to at least hold on to a wild card. All right, John, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we want you to stay on the line, and then we'll talk to you about uh, today's Jet game, all right? So stay with us a couple minutes. We're going to take Hold a it. quick break, and we'll be right back right after this, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York. Mike Trezor, Mike Gadone with you for the next half hour. We've got John Santa Maria, Johnny Sticks, our Islander reporter on the line. And he was he's also a big Jets fan, and he was over at MetLife today. What was the uh, vibe like, uh, John, as the Mike White era once again begins for the New York Jets? Oh, it was loud. You heard a lot of Mike White chants, especially on the way out through uh, the uh, train stations, both at Secaucus and at the Meadowlands, even a little bit on the Long Island Road. But most importantly, a lot of those people had focused on staying dry because not everybody was covered like I was at the top of the stadium. So that was priority today. 
Yeah, so White looked good right from the get-go, opening drive, six out of seven, and the touchdown. Um, what was your impression of the way he looked and the way your offense looked today? I think they looked more comfortable than they've been in the last couple of weeks. And even talking, even my buddy was with, just talking, just comparison, it's like, here were times, and you, everybody could say all they want, Bears are not a good football team. Neither, to me, neither are the Patriots. But the difference was, I don't think Mike White would have played scared the way Zach Wilson might have done at times. And this is where I'm going to say that I don't think the Zach Wilson error with the Jets is over. I think he's got some growing up to do and just has to learn the ropes of the NFL. Because, like I've said many, many times with him, he played at BYU, and this is no knock on that program. They play a weaker independent league schedule uh, right now. They're going to the Big 12 next year, but they play a weaker schedule. They don't play as strong of a schedule. It's kind of like Notre Dame a little bit, but so you're not you're not as experienced as like coming out of the SEC or coming out of the Big Ten. So there's more growing pains I feel that they have, and this is just one of them. And more so, it's to tell them, hey, look, you want to compete in this league, you want to compete for the playoffs. You need to play consistent, and I just think Robert Sala is not ready to throw a possible playoff berth out the window just yet because this team, they got to the seven wins. I don't see how they can't get to ten if they keep playing this way on defense with some of the games they have coming up. You know, John, I, I, I was listening to a couple of other programs during the week, and, and you know, when the announcement was made that, was, that Zach Wilson was going to be benched, and um, it's amazing that – Someone, not, not that he was a star in New York, obviously, he's, he's struggled a little bit, but has fallen into such disfavor so quickly from being, you know, in, in preseason, early in the season, they had to get him back, whatever else. He's, he has really just kind of fallen into disfavor with everyone. And one stat that, that stood out to me was somebody put this up the other day. His stats are identical to Jamarcus Russell, if you remember him. Uh, yeah, which, which is that very was, scary. That was tough to watch. Because that, yeah, that guy. I mean, he flamed out so fast. But I, I'm kind of in your camp. I think I think this guy still has a little bit left in him. Uh, you know, he he's got hopefully some toughness, and and that maturity will come. But you do you, you have to give it today, to Mike White. I mean, this is a guy 22 for 28, 315, three touchdowns, did everything basically you could have asked him to do. But he had a little bit of rushing help today as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael Carter, he had to leave the game with an injury. He's got a sprained ankle, so we'll see his time frame. Robert Salah did not have that yet after the game. But the kid Knight, they pulled up off the practice squad today. That's what they've probably been missing since Brees Hall went down with the injury in, uh, in Denver. A little bit of a pass catching back. You know, you weren't really getting that from James Robinson, but you still need him as your, as your hard running back. And Ty Johnson's not bad. He can get you some plays. So they can keep this up. I'm not, Honestly, afraid going into Minnesota. They're a good football team, but they're beatable. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to bring up with you, John. It seems like um, you know, in terms of making friends, um, Mike White's doing a little bit better job than uh, than Wilson was in terms of getting some of these receivers who have been, you know. Little dissatisfied with their roles, including Denzel Mims and I, I, Elijah Moore, involved in the offense like he did today. Yeah, well, when you have a quarterback who looks comfortable, the same with I, look. You can't compare Joe Flacco; he's a Super Bowl champion, fifteen-year veteran in the league. But when you look comfortable in the pocket, things happen. I think that's what was getting to those guys. So, if this is any message to Zach Wilson, 
maybe just take a deep breath back there. Stop the scrambling, and maybe this is where he needs to be coached up just a little bit more. Uh, all right, John. Listen, great talking to you. Thank you so much, and glad you guys got a win today. Yes, absolutely. Uh, big month of December coming up. Can't wait for the stretch run. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks a lot, John. Be well. Let's right. go Islanders, man. Keep it going. So, Mike, you know, the other football team in town, the New York Giants. Now, still 7-4, and four, all right? It's still in the thick of things, taking a little bit of a, a speed bump here since we've been on, on the road last time. Um, again, everything in New York is about the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. So we, we go to Daniel Jones. Now, again, I have the luxury of having these stats right in front of me. 21 of 35, 228 with a, with a touchdown. Um you know, people come on. He's not the answer either. But who is this guy throwing to, right? I mean, when you look at, let's just take one second here. Five one six six two three twelve forty, folks. We want your calls tonight, yeah. so give us a call now. Would be the time. If any of you people can name three giant receivers, <laughs> we will, we will give you a gift certificate. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But all right. So everybody, Darius Slayton. Okay, maybe we've heard of him, right? Who was second in the team in receptions on Thanksgiving night? Ah, listen, I'm going to say that guy whose name I don't know. Right. Richie James. Oh, it was Richie? Richie, wow. Richie James. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good Rich- to see Richie back in there. I think of Richie Cunningham. I mean, like, Richie James. No, I like, think of Rick James. Richie, exactly. Rick. You know, uh, I mean, but seriously, Isaiah Hodgins, Chris Mayrick, Lawrence Sedger. I mean, no, no disrespect. These guys are amazing athletes and are professional football players. But, I mean... Can we can we pump the brakes a little bit on Daniel Jones as a boss? I mean, he's throwing to nobody. Saquon had a tough night, you know, 11 carries, 39 yards. That was what Dallas was going to do. That's what most teams are going to do. They're going to stop the run if they can. Now, when he can run wild, the Giants are going to have a chance to win. They still only lost this game by eight points. But, listen. But that TD at the end was, that is garbage, right? that was cosmetic. Exactly. But, you know, is, is it really Daniel Jones' fault? And is he the guy that, that is, is, hold, is, is going to hold them back from a – possible playoff berth, or is he a big part of the reason by playing under control that they have seven wins? Well, here's the thing. I mean, what's worrying me about this is that it's the second game in a row now where they've keyed on Saquon, they've shut down Saquon. If you notice, Detroit game, same exact thing, and they're daring him. Uh, they're daring Daniel Jones and Dable um, to basically beat them with the receivers that they have, who are pretty much, as you mentioned, Mike, uh, no-name receivers. You know, when you're relying on the Lawrence Cagers and the Richie James of the world. Uh, listen, it's great to have Richie James back there, but uh, you're right. Um, so, w- which brings us to an interesting question. We've heard the name floated around for the better part of a year now. Do you want... Odell Beckham to ride in on the white horse and, and save the day for the giant offense. And can he do that? Okay, so did you hear what happened with Odell today? No, I didn't. Oh, you did not? Okay. No. Odell Beckham was kicked off a flight in Miami International what? Airport because he got on the plane, fell asleep, didn't buckle his seatbelt. The flight attendants tried to revive him to get him to put his seatbelt on. They felt that he was having a medical emergency. And they kicked him off the plane with the rest of everyone on the plane. So this is what we do when someone's having a medical emergency? We kicked them off the plane? So, you know, what happened was they, they quote-unquote, revived him. I but see. then he refused to buckle his seatbelt. So he was then escorted by many of Miami's finest off the plane. Okay. So did I want him before? No. Do I want him today? Not if even he can stay awake on the flight home. 
go to Dallas, do your thing. He, he's not going. He is definitely not going to be the answer. And yeah, I, I mean, it, can you believe that though? That that was that was his in the news deal today. That happened right before we got here. Yeah, but bigger picture as it pertains to the to the Giants, Mike, is this: I always think, as a fan, and also as somebody who works for the organization, that. It's important to make the playoffs whenever you can. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So you don't want guys out there having worked for a year basically to go seven and two and then lose, you know, like seven of their last nine or whatever it is and, and end up, uh, missing the playoffs by a game in an NFC where, um, you know, that, playoff experience to the younger guys on the team is really, really valuable. And I feel in a way that they have to do whatever they can now, even if upgrade at, at uh, receiver is an obvious solution for them. How about you? Well, it, it's a very good point. I mean, really what it comes down to here is in the next three weeks, you play the Washington Commanders at home, you play the Eagles at home, and then you go on the road and play the Commanders again. So if they can if they can take care of Washington two out of three Eagles is is going to be a tough one at home, but th- that gets you to nine wins, and then you're going Vikings Colts and then Eagles again probably with nothing to play for the Eagles, it, it's going to come down tight. But it, really it's it's what can they do against Washington here? Yeah, but Washington now has the blueprint yeah. that came from the Detroit game that came from the Dallas game Absolutely. that says hey you know what we're not going to let. Saquon go for a 143 against us. We're going to hold him to under 50 yards. Uh, even if he has, you know, 20 attempts, we're going to hold him to 50 yards, and we're going to make Daniel Jones and whatever flotsam and jetsam he's throwing to try to beat you. If we take out all the hysterics that come with Odell, all right, we'll take take aside his drama that happened today. The the fact of the matter, I mean, he's coming off another ACL injury. Hasn't played. He's cleared. You know, he's a big time receiver, but is, do you think he's, and this is a legit question, that he will be able to get right into this offense and be, be the difference maker right away? I no, hear the phone lines. No. The phone lines are, are, are heating no, up. Here. As soon as you mention Odell, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting the calls. People want to weigh in on whether I'm they hoping. want Odell. And if I'm wrong, you know what? I, I hope I'm wrong because that, they got, they need something. They they need somebody, but I don't think that they need him. I mean, you see what happens when guys that are big, big personalities um, basically want to, um, you know, want to be all over the quarterback, especially your young quarterback, about I'm not getting the ball enough. Right. Um, that's going to make Daniel uh, take a step that's back. Right. So let's welcome in a caller, Mike. Let's go to our buddy Ray. Ray, what's happening, bud? Welcome, Ray. Hey. Hey, Trez and Coach, how you guys doing? Thanks doing. for another great show. Thanks, pal. You know, Coach, I just picking up on what you said, that's an unbelievable story. I read it this morning and uh, or earlier today, and I had to read it twice. I cannot believe uh, Odell Beckham gets – it wasn't arrest. He wasn't arrested. I don't think no. he gets himself in this kind of trouble. I mean, you know, you would think that this guy would showcase himself at this point in his career where he's looking to latch on to anybody. I just can't believe it. So I'm with you, Coach. I mean, I was actually mildly interested in the Giants picking him up, but <laughs> after this story, I'm like, you know, well, he's probably not worth the trouble. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, he he tweeted out afterwards that he had never been through such a thing and he couldn't believe it and whatever else. I mean, the fact of the matter is they had to call these people on the plane because they couldn't wake him up, and that plane hadn't taken off yet. Did he say at any point, do they know who I am? <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Oh, so, so right. The end does not justify the means, thankfully, I think, with you, me, and, and Tress here, though. But if, if if you're the Giants, what what do we do? What do we got to do to get into the playoffs here? 
you know, I think they've been playing so well. I'm really excited about the coaching staff. The, the guy seems to be the real deal. Um, you know, tough stretch there. And I, I think you're a little optimistic, Coach, with picking up two out of three with the Commanders because they yeah. seem to be a pretty solid team these days. So True. I'm not sure how it's looking over the next three. If anything, I think the Giants will probably pull one of the next three out. Uh, and then, you know, a tough season, tough, tough end of the season there with the Vikings and stuff. But, uh you know, it seems to me that Washington is playing pretty pretty good ball these days. So I, I don't know what our chances are, or you know, winning two out of the next three. I know you follow the Jets really closely, Rice. So I want to ask you: When does Zach Wilson get the job back again? Does uh, Zach Wilson get the job back again? Well, you know, I think if you're a Jets fan, you got to look at what's going on in Seattle and kind of like have mixed feelings about it because it's great that Geno's doing well out there, but. You know, you don't want to get rid of a guy and uh, and see him do well somewhere else and then play this game where if you kept him and it was a different system or you gave him time to mature or any of these things that he would have turned out to be uh, the quarterback that they drafted. You know, Sam's not doing much either, so it seems like the last two quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, haven't really worked out. But I, I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he reemerges, you know, and... Uh, you know, congrats to Mike White. I mean, everybody loves that kind of a story where the underdog pulls it out. But, um, you know, I think there's probably still something there with Zach, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting by the end of the season. If you go out to Minnesota and he has a terrible game, four picks or whatever, uh, are people going to be clamoring for Flacco? No, I think Flacco's never the answer. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what happened with that guy, but, you know, he, he had that run there in Baltimore. That's the way you do it. You have a big run sign a big contract and then just do nothing. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be what the guy's career has been. Um, you know, I remember when he came up with Baltimore, how much promise he had, and he had that great run, like I said. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Flacco is ever the answer for the Jets. All right, Ray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shine up my crystal ball here, and, and I'm looking into it, and I see next year's Jets starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, that's what you need. You need someone who will manage the game just like Mike White. But he has a better name. He's a little more handsome. People love him. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. He will be starting for your Jets next year and leading them into the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys. All Thanks, right, right. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for calling. We'll talk to you again. Bye. 516-623-1240. We've got about 10, 12 minutes left. I was, Mike, I was serious about Jimmy Garoppolo. I know I was shining up my crystal ball, but I'm telling you, that's what they need. That I, Honestly, you're kidding around, but I think that's a good fit for Absolutely. the Jets. They're, they're not going to – listen, I don't want to go too much longer on the, on the Jets, but if if Wilson flames out, which is showing that he possibly will, they're not going to draft another guy. they got to get somebody, and it doesn't have to be a superstar, but it's got to be somebody who can just upgrade and take the night. Like Mike White did today, that's what you need. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a topic that's gonna bring down both you and Uh-oh. me, Mike, <laughs> and fans all throughout New York. But I that have to. rhyme with Mets. Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> uh, neither the Knicks nor the Nets have been okay. uh, any great shakes this year. So let's start with your Knicks because okay. honestly, I watched the Knicks in very sparing doses this year. So you know better than I. Now I started to say uh, before John came on with us, we you got Brunson. Brunson, listen, it's hard to dislike him. He, he's he's a good kid. He's intelligent. He Filling plays the game guy. right. He plays the game the right way. Um, has local roots, and so it's easy to root for him. Um, but what is the issue, Mike, that you've seen with the Knicks this year that they cannot take uh, that next step to be? Um, I don't know, a three, four, five playoff team in what I admit is a very tough Eastern Conference. 
I, I know it's going to sound trite, but it's shooting, three-point shooting. R.J. Barrett, God bless him, is is I I didn't even think he was up. He's he's at eighteen point five points per game now, but his shooting has has gone down from three years ago, two years ago. Each year it's going down, and he's he the last I believe week and a half, he's one for nine from three. He just can't stretch his game yet. Right when when he talks about it, he's very upbeat. I'm going to find it. You know, I'm I'm not worried about it. Whatever else. But, you know, it's great that you have Brunson at 21.5, Randall at 20.9, but you need somebody, that third guy has got to knock down shots, and unfortunately it's RJ because right now your leading three-point field goal shooting percentage people on the Knicks are Derek Rose and Obi Toppin. Nah, that's, nah, that's not, yeah, not going to do it. So you have you have other things working. You know, and, and the Knicks are defense, they're right in the middle of the pack. Offense, they're right in the middle of the pack. Rebounding, they're right in the middle of the pack. They're, they're in the middle of the pack. You know, average team, which is a big step above where they have been and, and, and even consistently. But I really think that's what it comes down to because Brunson. Well, not a, let me, let me stop you one second. Go ahead. Wasn't that supposed to be what, um. Yeah, you can't even think of who it is, right? What's his name? <laughs> Was supposed to be when they brought him in here? Well, that's just it. They, who, they have nobody who can shoot threes. I yeah. mean, they, there's just nobody. So. Um, there, there have been some rumblings that you might see a trade because Derek Rose has not seen many, many minutes. He, he's a perfect glue guy. He's he, and might go somewhere and, and perhaps bring a shooter back. Um, but he's been hurt. So again, Knicks are treading water. They're right there. It's still, you know, only the end of November. But when you look at their their long term possibilities they got to get somebody in who, who can drain some threes because while rj barrett is is a wonderful player um he he's had to pick up the defensive slack for brunson and i think that's what's hurting his offense yeah yeah so uh let's talk let's talk right. nets for a few a few there minutes is, i'll give you a chance gonna, to really go no, off no, no, on no, me here. no no we're, we're not we're not lacking any storylines with these guys no no i mean nets have been terrible I, you know what i mean in my view they should have just kept Kyrie under suspension i mean they've been worse since he's been back right. than they were but when he was suspended i mean such a bizarre story just in general i you know what mike uh, listen i'm finally with you you know <laughs> he, he's been absolute poison to this team to this organization to this city between the whole craziness with the vaccination story now the whole craziness with the um you know the the anti-semitic film or whatever it is it's just the whole thing's gotten bizarre and and the thing is is that you cannot have a guy who's sort of on the team sort of not on the team he's there sometimes he's not there other times i mean you just can't operate that way. The one thing about when Kyrie was suspended, number one, the distractions were gone. Number two, at the very least, some young kids were getting some good run. Uh, the Cam Thomases and other guys along those lines were getting some run and were getting some quality minutes. And, and that's a plus to me. They were playing hard. They were a likable team. They played defense. Exactly. It's, it's, it's true. And you know what? Ben Simmons, uh, I'm rooting for him. And he actually has come quite Far, if you just look statistics now again as a I'm a basketball coach. I'm a statistics guy. All right, let's take the scoring out of it though. He he's second in the team on rebounds. Ben Simmons. He's first in assists. He's second in field goal percentage, even though he doesn't shoot. And he's uh, first in steals and second in rebounds. I mean, 
not not bad, right, for an NBA player. He's finding his stride. They put him on the bench. He started to hit, hit for 22 the other night. I went to Philly, didn't crumble. I mean, he's starting to get a It looks like he enjoys playing. And it, not coincidentally did it start to take place when Mr. Kyrie Irving was not on the floor. But what are you going to do with him? I, I don't know. Of course, I, I agree. Should have kept him on the, on the bench, keep him away. You know, then you got you have all sorts of issues coming with the players' association. How long can you suspend the guy? He's got to make money. He's got to, you know, you got to keep him on the floor. Can they trade him? I don't know. But in in looking at the last couple of games where they've played pretty well, they had they won today. Uh, beat the Trailblazers. Nice win at home. They they stunk it up the other night uh, against um, Indiana Pacers. Now. But that came in Philly. That was the one that killed me. That was, that was the game with no MB, yeah, no heart. You got to win that one, and absolutely no effort yeah. from the Nets. Right. That one was, that was tough to take. And and I mean, everybody. I usually don't stay with the post game, but Shaq and and Barkley and those guys. I you know I yeah. can take them in very small doses. Everybody, Mike, to a person, excoriated the Nets after that that yeah. uh, loss, and and rightfully. I mean, absolutely. it was a disaster. Definitely. So the game, take that one, and that was that was absolutely terrible. Next game, winnable game against the Pacers. They should have won that one as well. Struggled after the game. They talked to to new coach Jock Vaughn, who's who had them playing well. Who's you know more defensive, has a little bit more of a clue it seems than Steve Nash. And what did he bring up constantly, time after time after time? They need to gel. They need to gel, right? So if you don't have Kyrie Irving playing, how can you gel? You have three different teams. They they've 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 shown a personality as this year. The beginning team, when Ben Simmons was just kind of coming out of the weeds, then Kyrie's gone. Then they have this other team that was playing well, and they're working together. Now Kyrie's back in the mix. You you have to get this settled, or else it's just going to be this circus back and forth and back and forth. And and can it become that? Can it become a settled down NBA professional three man team with with some nice pieces behind it? Boy, I don't know. Just going back to the Knicks for one minute, I've been hearing, and I'm sure you have too, uh, things about people calling the Knicks and inquiring about uh, about quickly. Um, if the right package comes your way, are you going to let quickly? Um, are you going to let quickly go? Can I escort him downstairs to the Amtrak <laughs> wherever he's going? Absolutely. It's not that I don't like him. I, I, I like him quite a bit, but. He he's not he's not going to be a championship piece for you. I, if if he has open market value right now and it can bring something back, absolutely. Can you get a shooter for quickly? That, see, that's a, that's a question. Who's trading shooters? Right, the league is so intent on shooting, and, and nobody wants to give him up. Right. Look, just real quick, I'll tell you this. So there's a kid played on the Hawks last year. His name is Kevin Herter. Right. From upstate New York. Yep. Played on the Hawks. Got traded to uh, out to Sacramento. Out west. To Sacramento. Yes. He's been tearing it up as a shooter out there, and been a main reason for for their kind of resurgence. Yeah, the tournament. So that you got to find somebody like that. Now it's not easy, of course, but at this time, I, I don't know if you if you're going to find that shooter. But um, I like quickly. But if I can find somebody who's who's going to be with me a, a little bit longer and brings that skill set, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, because once you uh, once you got Brunson in here, wasn't quickly sort of I, I mean yeah, expendable is the wrong word. I mean he's a he, he brings a lot of energy and whatever, but he's not a defensive stopper. He's I know he's not a Thibodeau kind of guy. I just don't get it. It seems know. like a weird mixture of guys. Very weird. Very weird. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on that throughout the season. But right now, Mike, I mean, both the Knicks and the Nets, one game under five hundred, right in the, um, the nine and ten. Right, yeah. yeah, they're they're in the nine and ten spots in the East right now. I think what they should do if the season ended today, let the Knicks and Nets go into play uh, play in game, and then say whoever wins, we still don't want you in the playoffs. <laughs> How would that be? Uh, I would I would be okay with that. Listen, that, that's 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 the like the zero bowl that we'd be playing right there. Uh, so that's going to do it for us tonight, folks, from here at WGBB, Sports Talk New York. Mike Trezor, Mike Adome, we are back next week. We want to thank uh, Julie Weiss for being our guest, a great guest. I'm, I'm so, I want to run home. I'm psyched. Yeah, absolutely. We want to thank John Santa Maria. We want to thank Brian Graves, our producer, for tonight. Another great job out of him. We'll be back next week, and if you missed any part of tonight's show, you can catch us again at 9 tonight. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.